Hello and welcome to the Nutrition with Rebecca podcast. This podcast is designed to empower you with the knowledge to live a healthy and happy life. My ethos is sustainability and my aim is to leave you better than I found you. I am a complete foodie, lover of all animals, recovering perfectionist, with a passion to help many achieve a life of health and well-being. I hope you take a lot from this podcast and thank you so much for tuning in. Hello everyone. So today you're in for a real treat. I have Danielle on the podcast who has been with me now coming up to three years And the reason I wanted to get Danielle on was not only has she made incredible progress on her journey, but in society, we have this assumption that our weight and shape is directly representative of our health. And Danielle sits in still what we would classify through the eye as a healthy body weight, a healthy body shape sits within BMI very, very comfortably. But a lot of us now, as I mentioned, think that, oh, well, Danielle must be healthy. And we have this direct correlation that health is literally how you look. And we brush over the psychological aspect in terms of health. So Danielle wanted wanted to improve her health when she started with me. Um, And that health aspect was not about changing her body. It was more around breaking down barriers of perfection, fear of failing, navigating and still navigating an ongoing health condition with more compassion to herself and now actions namely towards exercise are driven by longevity of health reduced social anxiety and built a connection back to herself and I remember one of the first things that Danielle said to me was people say to me all the time I don't need to lose weight I don't need to do this I don't need to do that But Danielle was really struggling in, namely with going out socially when we first started working together. And we have unpicked all of the above. So welcome, Danielle. Hello. (laughs) Danielle is really nervous. So I always think that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I I think honesty is a big thing. Like, I'm nervous. That's fine. Danielle's nervous. So please be nice and kind to us when you are listening to this. (laughs) So let's go back three years ago and when you first when we first met can you describe like the place you were in within yourself and what was the driver to potentially seek a coach because you had a coach at the time sort of sort of yeah so probably for a good 18 months two years before I came to you I was in a place of I went to the gym every day but I'd get up at four in the morning and go to the gym because I was going on holiday and I needed to lose weight because that's what everybody said you had to do to go on holiday to wear a bikini. I'd never get anywhere. I still didn't feel comfortable when I went on holiday and wore the bikini. I then used to restrict all week and I'd have like salad and be really, really good during the week. And then the weekend would come and I was starving and I'd have everything, anything that was possible there. Oh, start on Monday start again Monday and it was just this like constant vicious cycle or I'd go out for dinner and I'd have like three courses and then think well I've had three courses now I might as well go home and have like a pack of biscuits because I've blown off the day or oh I did that yesterday so I'll just do the same again today and I'll start again tomorrow and it was that constant like vicious cycle of not being able to just like manage day to day everything like everything was consumed by like what I ate and then lockdown happened and I found that really hard. Um, like most people, I had to work from home, which I'd never done before. And I was literally in the four walls of the house every single day. So I started with an online coach, um, fairly local to me. Didn't want to lose weight. It was more for like the group aspect of, you know, being able to chat with other people. And obviously you still couldn't meet them. I got these like workouts, which I thought, oh, that'd be great. I can do something different. And they were like hip-based workouts, which... I was enjoying, they were good. But the the thing was with that was you were given a diet plan and it was 1,200 calories. And I remember saying to them, but I don't want to lose weight because I knew in my mind that 1,200 calories wasn't enough for me to to maintain the weight that I was. 
And I was told that, oh, well, just, just do it for a few weeks. And if you do start to lose too much weight, we'll talk about it then. And I was like, oh, okay. And just took that at face value because they were a coach. You know, they were qualified in what they were doing and didn't, didn't question it. And then there used to be like online kind of like group, like video call type things on Facebook. And I remember one particular night, and this was probably a week or so before I reached out to you, that a lady had been out on a Sunday with her family and they'd been strawberry picking and she'd eaten these strawberries while she'd been there. But because they weren't on plan, they weren't on the meal thing that we were given she was like berated by everybody in the group. Oh my God, how can you do that? And I came off the call and I cried because I thought, yeah, it just didn't make any sense. Like this lady's been out for the day with her family and she's eating strawberries for Christ's sake. But yet she must have come off the call feeling a million times worse than I did because it wasn't even about me. And at that point, I just, I'd left. I just quit the group. I didn't say anything. I just, that was it. And then I reached out to you. And I remember coming to your house and sitting in your kitchen and crying because I was like, I just, I'm just lost. Yeah. I literally just feel lost, which was stupid because I talked to my partner, my parents, and they're like, oh, you don't need to lose weight. You're like, you know, you're a size eight or, you know, you weigh this. And, and that's how I was defined. I was defined by being a size eight or at the time weighing 55 kilos. And, you know, that's what defined me and made me the person I was. And I was like, oh, okay. But then I strive to keep that weight because that's what everybody told me I looked good at and said that was healthy. And then it was a nightmare. Yeah. Because it wasn't, I wasn't healthy at all. For as much to the naked eye as I looked healthy and, you know, I looked nice in clothes that I wore and I enjoyed getting compliments from people. Oh, you look really good. You've got a great figure. But internally, it was like, it was horrendous because for me, I felt as bad saying to me, oh, look how thin you are. That hurt me as much as probably saying to a bigger person you're really fat and I found that probably equally as challenging but never dare say anything because society says you should be small yeah and it was was hard Mm -hmm. and you said just interestingly you said that you it was stupid that um you had this psychological battle but and I had this again with a client who, a potential client who reached out this week, who said she felt silly reaching out because yeah. she was in um, a quote unquote society, societal, like societal accepted body. And that's exactly yeah. what you just said then in that diet culture has taught us that smaller is better, that yeah. to be accepted, to be validated, to be worthy, you need to look a certain way, be a certain way, act in a certain way. And we fuel this self-objectification, we fuel this diet culture narrative, but it's fueled by um, control and perfection. So you were striving to control your body, striving to control your body image because you believed that that was where you were accepted. That was where you were worthy. That was where you were enough. And you were perfectly with your perception trying to control that. But that was leading to this loss of control, the loss Mm -hmm. of control with eating habits, eating behaviors, yeah. but also the loss of connection back to yourself. So you were driven by actions dictated from this perception of belief from diet culture. So you were going to the gym at four o'clock in the morning because you were trying to control your body weight and fueling, oh, you need to be smaller to wear a bikini. Going to like doing your hip workouts at home, which is, is great, isn't it? It's exercise, but doing it to control your body because at 55, oh, absolutely. that was where you were accepted. That's where you were worthy, you were enough. And and it's that that caused the disembodiment. But then you've got respectfully your your family, your partner, who don't mean it in a derogatory tone at all. They were just trying to help you with the knowledge in which they have and doing the best they can with that situation. You look great. You look great. Then it's like, okay, so I've got to keep doing this. I've got to keep pushing for control because I look great. So you all look more. That was the thing. That's what was really hard because everyone was like, oh, you look yeah, you look really good, and it was like oh okay I almost wanted somebody to say you don't look good but nobody would ever say that and I think for me you know my mum and dad obviously I grew up in a wonderful you know and like house environment very loving family but my mum and dad always dieted always all the time growing up I, I, they were always dieting they were dieting for a holiday they were dieting because Christmas was coming and that was kind of ingrained into me from like such a young age. And they were very much the same that they would diet in the week, then go out at the weekend or like then they'd have a drink at a weekend and things like that. And 
it's so easy that that just passes into you that's that's just how you've grown up and that's what you believe I mean I remember doing the 5-2 diet like and it's a day like I felt horrendous but it was like I know mum and dad are doing it so let's just give it a try and we have this like when you first started um when when you first came over and god bless your heart then for being so courageous and yeah you sat and you were just completely disconnected from yourself so disembodied and you felt helpless but we had this belief that health was just literally about what you looked like and to to be healthy it was about exercise and nutrition and we like there's no sight of those other facets of health and one of them you just mentioned then was like environmental so the situation that you were growing up with that then brought this belief that was deep ingrained within you like you need to diet and you need to diet to be to be loved by a partner to to get married maybe to go on holiday um <clears throat> you need to diet for the week if you want to go out socially because that's going to send you off track and you're, then you're going to end up eating more so that you need to make sure that you are restricting because at the minute your vessel is the only thing that is bringing about this validation that is bringing about this acceptance so just make sure that you really try and control that but the other aspects of your health there was then the social anxiety to begin with like going out I can't go out more than once a week because that's going to send me off track and I need to be perfect with my diet the perfection I need to go away and perfectly like meticulously control every aspect of my intake if somebody else cooks for me if I go out spontaneously no I can't do that there was a lot of high stress wasn't there around food a lot of preoccupation to begin with like your whole day as you mentioned was consumed by food and we it was every- sorry it was everything I thought about all day it was like oh god what can I what can I have for lunch that like is going to be good and like I'd never have breakfast I'd always skip breakfast even though I might have been to the gym in the morning I would never eat breakfast I'd never eat till lunchtime because I thought well if I miss that meal like gives me like a few more calories that I can eat like later in the day so by missing breakfast it it gave me that I could have a bit of a bigger lunch or it gives me more time in the evening but like I never would have gone out for dinner on a Tuesday or if somebody was said to me oh should we get a takeaway and like you know have a girls night in on Thursday I'd be like no and I'd, and I'd shy away from it and I would just say no and I'd stay at home because and, I I couldn't go out during the week because during the week I was restricting and trying to be good yeah quote unquote in commerce I was being good and yeah. then if you asked me at the weekend of course and I remember it I remember a story very vividly you mentioned going to the local pub having fish and chips and then coming home and eating a pack of biscuits and just sat there like why am I doing this why am I doing yeah. this so your dieting background and the approaches that you followed were really restrictive what did your body image mean to you and how you felt in your body through that time then I how I looked was everything and not necessarily when I was dressed it was more I would stand in the mirror and I'd nitpick everything I'd be like my legs wobble they touch stomach's not perfectly flat I feel like blurred and every single day I'd look in the mirror and I'd be like oh hate that I hate this rather than looking and accepting anything and saying what I actually like everything was nitpicked and criticized every single day and I was like oh, I need to go to the gym again today I'll go out for a run I'll go for a run after work because that'll like burn up what I've had to eat at lunch and even though I've been to the gym in the morning I'm, I'm gonna go for a run after work and all this I dealt with so internally because I never really spoke about it with anybody even you know even with, with Carl now I never spoke about it so to anybody else I was just active there, there was no there was no issue to like anybody external, family, Carl, nothing. Nobody, nobody knew. And I don't think even now, if any of them listen to this, they'd probably be really surprised. <laughs> Hi, if you do. <laughs> yeah, but and because I felt embarrassed to talk about it because I was this healthy perceived weight. And, and were, yeah, living it was in hard. A, yeah. And living and in I, a... I hated the way I looked, but I loved the way I looked because everybody else loved the way I looked. And it was such like an internal battle because on my own, I hated it. But once I got with other people and you had that almost, I needed that acceptance. Oh, you look really good in that. Or, you know, you look like you've lost some weight, things like that. And I'd be like, oh, right, yeah, brilliant. That's great. That's great. But as soon as I got back home again on my own, because I went through a period of living on my own as well. And I'd be like, oh, oh, look at me. Look at this. Look at that. And I'd nitpick it all of it all the time. So your body image. So your body meant everything to you but as we know like your body image um is how you think feel and act towards your body so your body image 
was so low like how you felt oh. in your body like you just said you just put it into a really good place there like actually I felt dreadful in myself but if I if I got the validation if I got that acceptance externally then that was great I felt all right for that short amount of time but overarching long term objectively I felt really low in myself oh yeah absolutely and I, I would always diet for holidays for any you know events that were coming up it was my birthday anything because that's what you should do well interesting that was what we talked about yeah we'll talk about the holiday that you went on last year as well and we will talk about that very shortly so how would you describe your relationship with nutrition when before you started with me because again like you just mentioned you were in a society accepted body but you've just mentioned your body image was rock bottom and not many people talk about a relationship with food because we have this belief that it is just about like how much you eat and what you eat and how much you exercise you talk to somebody about a relationship with food and they're like no I've no don't want to talk about that and they dismiss it but what would you say your relationship with food was like knowing now what your relationship is like it was terrible at the time I thought it was great but I didn't I knew that if you wanted to to lose weight you had to eat less you know but I I necessarily wouldn't eat less I'd exercise more I'd sort of punish myself the other way to try and like burn off what I'd eaten but I didn't really, I didn't understand what your body actually needed. I'd be like, oh, I'll not, I'll just have, some days I'd just have like vegetables for dinner because that'd fill me up. But then like an hour later, I was absolutely starving. And he'd be like, oh no, I'm not gonna have anything else. But then Friday had come and I'd have lived on like salad and vegetables with like the odd bit of like chicken or something during the week. And then like Friday had come and it'd be like, oh, we're gonna have a takeaway, I'm gonna eat this, I'm gonna have that, big packet of sharing crisps. I'd have like a bar of chocolate, but that was fine because it was Friday. And then Saturday, I might go out for dinner and I'd have three courses. And I'd always have three courses because I felt that I had to because I was going out. And then I'd feel sick because I was so full. But yeah, still come home and have something else because it was the weekend. Because that's what everybody around me did. Everybody restricted during the week and binged at the weekend. And I didn't know any different. And I thought that was just the norm. That was what that was what you did. And everybody else started again Monday. So that's what I do. Monday I'd roll around and I'd have no breakfast I'd have salad again for lunch I'd have like a piece of fish and some veg or whatever for tea and like even now like memories pop up on Facebook and it's like oh you know hashtag cheat meal and I'm, I'm like it makes me cringe the part of me inside's like oh my god I can't believe I used to be like that I mean yeah I, I resonate I really resonate so yeah or like dinner will come up and it'd be like a piece of fine chicken and some boiled veg and I'm like oh like I mean, I have those kind of things for tea, but I would never have it in that kind of context anymore. Um, so I might have chicken and veg for tea, but it's in a very, very different mindset of having chicken and veg for tea. It's the intent, isn't it, that we always yeah. talk about. So your relationship with food, again, was very much driven by external validation, but there was a lot of yeah. guilt, shame. Oh, yeah. That. And then this perfection was heightened hugely and you used exercise so, so you ate for your body and you exercised for your body. So when I did the intro now, like you exercise for your health and it's a completely different mindset that you're in. Absolutely. So the limiting beliefs you had, restricting all week, overeating at the weekend, can't be consistent. No. So I was striving to keep this small frame that was like impossible to keep. It it was so much hard work all the time but because society said that I look great I felt I had to keep it so what were your initial goals when you reached out to me do you remember I think trying to have some understanding of what I should be doing because I after being with the other coach I just felt so lost I kind of felt that everything I thought that I knew had been taken away and I mean I remember showing you the diet plan that I'd been given and I remember your face (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it it was horrendous and sort of the things that I thought that I knew that were right they'd all been stripped away and I was told by this coach that they were also wrong so then when I, I decided just to quit because I couldn't deal with being in that group anymore because it was more damaging mentally than anything I suddenly thought I, I've got no idea what I'm doing I literally had no idea at all what to do I just felt lost but then I also felt stupid at the same time for feeling like that and and it's that like we have this innate belief again that I'm always going to come back to that health is what you look like and what you're saying there is you felt stupid because 
And it's not that you feel you're not stupid at all, but you felt stupid because of the validation that you got from how you look. So you had a belief then that you must be broken because you feel this way, that you must be you must be failing at this because people are telling you that you're healthy. People are telling you that you look great. So that's yeah. running through your veins then. And that impacts that psychological sort of response that you have with yourself. Like, well, this must just be a me problem then because everybody else around me is really healthy. Everybody's doing this and they feel great in it. But actually I feel so disconnected, which is when then you feel isolated and you feel this lack of connection to those around you. So as you mentioned, you can't talk about it because you feel that it's, you're therefore less than because you have this battle because unfortunately people don't talk about emotional eating they don't talk about overeating or the psychological battles and when you reached out it was like I feel helpless I need some clarity and understanding on what my body needs and you came to me with this diet plan that was 1200 calories and as you mentioned my face did drop hugely and I did pick my chin up off the floor and one of the first things I said to you, because you said, I was like, what's your goal? You didn't want to lose weight. You, you knew no. you didn't want to lose weight. So I turned around to you and said, we need to be eating above 2,000 calories, Danielle. And I nearly died. You nearly died. <laughs> you, Your face was very much like my face. And we collectively picked your chin up off the floor as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I remember thinking like, okay, I know 1,200 calories is like, not enough but then like over 2000 I was like she's not calculated that right like and then in my head I'm like no that's not right like I don't need that many (laughs) and And there was that opposite fear of gaining weight because I'm like I'm just gonna put weight on I'm gonna eat 2000 calories and now I'm gonna get fat and it, it was the opposite psychological battle yeah and it was like going from one extreme to the other but we broke it down didn't we and yes like your biggest fear with that initial change and that initial sort of barrier was my body's going to change and yeah. I need and I can't change my body like I want I want this balanced approach with nutrition I want to improve my relationship with food reduce my emotional eating but my body can't change I need to hold on to this and I remember when your body did change and I remember when your scale weight did fluctuate there was again that psychological battle with yourself and we we looked at it over the course of the week didn't we like well if you're going out realistically if you're eating 200 calories like you were eating less probably monday to thursday and then you're eating 4000 on friday 5000 on saturday 4000 on sunday let's look at balancing that out a little bit because we're looking to reduce the psychological stress and the strain and we're looking to help you feel more energized in the day so you're not preoccupied by food and we did use my fitness power to begin with didn't we yeah, absolutely. And it, it, that was a hard thing to come away from because then that perfectionist part of me was so stuck on, okay, I've got 2000 calories and I try and eat to the calorie. The, and I remember the day you were like, right, we're going to come away from it from like the start of next month. And I was like, what? I was like, well, I can't, I can't do that. Like, no. <laughs> and it, it was that having trust in myself that everything I'd learned, I think at that time over the last, what, 12 months yeah um was trying to put that kind of into action but again yeah. that the the perfectionist mindset within me when oh no because what if you eat you know 2100 but you should only be eating 2000 yeah. what if you only had 1900 and it was that suddenly i'm not gonna know yeah and, and like that was hard yeah the trust in yourself so we started with and you did take the ball by the horns and you did go away and you did was like you were like right okay, i'm gonna try this you were yeah. so courageous again with those actions and you started to eat the 2000 calories how did you feel with that good i felt better and I, I know to start with we did it in small steps and i'd just have like one day at the weekend where i wouldn't track or something like that and we started off so so small with it yeah and then, yeah, then it'd be like, okay, Saturday, Sunday. And then you're like, how about you go like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday? And I was like, oh, God, that's like quite a few days back to back. Like, oh my God. But we did it. And all of a sudden, you know, 12 months in, 18 months in, this like psychological noise with food was almost gone. It, I had breakfast every morning. At the weekend, I had breakfast in the morning, and which is something I never did. I was like, oh no, I don't need breakfast. It's fine. I, I'm not hungry. But now I know it's not, you don't, I don't need to eat just because I'm hungry. Like I eat because it's time for breakfast, irrespective of whether I feel hungry. 
and it was missing breakfast because you felt like you was going to overeat at night so then you were trying yeah. to be one step ahead of yourself but you were falling three steps back because Absolutely. then you were overeating yeah because I think oh, if I didn't have breakfast that's like say three or four hundred calories that then I've got to play with like later in the day but then probably in the evening I'd eat an extra 800 calories because I was starving and I'd not hardly eaten anything all day and we worked on um an inclusive diet where yes. <laughs> where Danielle is very much like myself a massive foodie Danielle absolutely loves food and over the time we've been working together Danielle has become literally one of my best friends and we go out now to just eat because we both highly love it (laughs) but when Danielle began as she mentioned she was eating a lot of salads and a lot of what she would classify as being good food yeah and now Danielle eats chocolate on the daily and oh I never would have dreamed of having a bar of chocolate on like Monday night after tea or Tuesday lunchtime or anything like that nothing I wouldn't buy anything and then I'd go out on Friday after work and buy everything because I didn't want it in the house because I couldn't eat it during the week whereas now I have breakfast I have lunch I have an afternoon snack I have dinner and I I have a snack after my dinner every single night and that snack for me in the evening is a wholehearted something that I really want because now during the day I've kind of ticked everything else off that I need. I've eaten my protein, I've eaten my veggies, I've got my fibre in. And that for me in the evening is psychological satisfaction. Yeah. It's it's, it's something like, wholehearted for me. It is comfort eating that brings you whole comfort in your yeah. day that is intentionally driven by value-based actions that yeah. you thoroughly enjoy. And you absolutely immerse yourself into it and now danielle uses photos for tracking she just is accountable in that way and there is always that little emoji that is blowing out like celebrating with a hat on having a party (laughs) because she loves it every single time every single day but with that danielle also has the flexibility and the adaption to situations when she has a takeaway sometimes doesn't have one because now she's got the internal connection so the biggest hurdles you've overcome what would you say I think one of the biggest things for me was the the nitpicking part of me like I said to you the other day I don't remember the last time I looked at myself in the mirror when I got dressed up you know do I look all right yeah that's fine but like going from the standing in my underwear or with nothing on every day in the mirror like oh this is horrible this is that I don't remember the last time I actually looked at myself with nothing on in the mirror and that's such a huge thing because now I just appreciate what my body does every single day. I train, I go for a walk. I've been on and off with an illness for the last, coming up two years. Um, and it, it's done wonderful things. And before I didn't appreciate any of that, it was just like, oh, my legs wobble. Oh, this is that. Whereas now I'm like, well, I don't have a tie gap, but I'm never destined to have one. That's great. My legs are nice and strong and they let me train and go for a walk every day. And I used to be so consumed by steps. I had to get certain steps in every single day. And I remember being with the last coach, the, the goal was 12,000 a day. And if you hadn't hit it, I remember doing laps around my house in the evening, trying to watch television on my iPad to get steps in because I hadn't done them because he was like, well, no, you've got to do them. And I was like, oh, I haven't got time. Like some days I don't have time. I have an office-based job. So, you know, some days I'm quite sedentary all day. Other days I get loads of steps and it depends what I've got on at work. But now I go for a walk every day purely to enjoy, mainly for me to disconnect from my day at work. Yeah. And But I don't care if that's 10 minutes or if that's 50 minutes. And it depends what else I'm doing in the evening. What, it depends what I'm cooking for tea and if I'm training. And But for me, it's like getting outside in fresh air. Not Some days I do 5,000 steps. Some days I do 20. And that's absolutely fine. Now, I still have this this battle with my watch, which we work on. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I said, so we, there was still the perfection tendency, wasn't there? And we, like, I picked up on that quite a few months ago now. And I was like, Danielle, we're quite regularly here seeing 10,000 steps. And when we're talking and we're offloading and you're going through all the challenges that you've had this in the week with your check-ins, it's like, oh, I was really consumed by that one day I didn't do 10,000 steps. So, one of the things I challenged you with was removing your watch, taking your watch off and going out for a mindful walk, connecting with nature. And again, this is where people cringe at, at mindfulness but and think it's corny and airy-fairy, but 
you're living in more of an embodied state whereas a lot of the time people can be eating and seeking validation from my fitness pal uh, moving and seeking validation from their apple watch or their fitbit as a way of maintaining control and striving for this perfection and i said to you take, take your watch off and we had a back and forth conversation for quite some time and how you felt around that and like you'd mentioned previously the environment you'd grown up in your mum had always had a watch on as well and seeked this like I need to go out and do this I need to go out and do my steps yeah so that was a big hurdle that we broke down now how did that make you feel at the time and how do you feel now I still find it hard now like before we started recording I said to you I think it was Thursday this week I forgot to put my watch on charge overnight and I got up Thursday morning and I was like oh my god it hasn't charged I can't wear it. So I put it on charge while I got ready and did everything I do in the morning in the house and was then annoyed because I put it on at quarter past seven and annoyed by that point, I might have done 1500 steps, but suddenly my watch hadn't tracked it and didn't know. But previously that would have consumed my, the rest of my week. It had ruined my whole entire day and all week I'd have been looking back at my steps on that day thinking, oh, it hasn't got them. It, well, I've done more than that. Whereas now it's still consumed my morning and I was slightly annoyed all morning, but then I sort of thought, you know, sat and spoke to myself and was like, Danielle, you've still done the steps. Like it, what your watch tells you literally doesn't matter. And then I just moved on with the day and it was fine. And I haven't looked back at that day and gone, God, it only says 6,000 because it doesn't matter. And, and it's, it's that, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's always- I'm going on holiday today. I'm probably not going to do 10,000 steps today because I'm going to the airport and, you know, I, I just won't get things like that in and that's fine. Whereas before, I'd have probably come off here, been like, right, I'm going to go for another walk because I've got to get them in because I'm going to be, like, sat down all night. But And it's, yeah, and it's living... One of the things that when we start working together is with any client, um, but especially you in particular, and they, they have changed, and I do believe is understanding your values whereas previously you were very much driven through this diet culture narrative of you must go and do this you must go and do that you should eat a certain way you should move a certain way you should exercise and you should do all of this but that's that's not your values that's not what's most important to you so if you were <clears throat> excuse me to say doing twelve thousand steps and i set you this goal of twelve thousand steps and you're walking around your house while your partner was in bed one of your core values is connection you're not connecting with your partner whilst he's yeah. in bed because you're striving for this perfection and this control so actually you're feeding the narrative of diet culture and self-objectification which is then sending you into a disembodied state and you're disconnected from your values so you're not living this wholehearted life whereas acknowledging that steps is not directly representative of control to my body and that my watch is simply just there to, to gather data that's okay I can still go for a walk and it can still be part of my um like healthy driven action and then I can live in alignment with my other values so like after this call you'll probably go and see a partner whatever you'll connect with yep. him You've been for a walk this morning and you've took your you took your dogs out and you had a really nice time connecting with your dogs, connecting with partner, connecting with nature. Yeah. And not then overarching seeking this validation from your watch. And it will consume you because as we mentioned before we started recording, like diet culture is everywhere. It's ingrained within us all and it runs through our veins, it runs through our blood, and we will still have times when we feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have ate all of that. Oh, oh God, my watch didn't didn't bloody charge. I'm, done loads yeah. of movement this morning but it's always how much that consumes you later on like you said originally that would consume you for the week and you would get so frustrated and you would probably try and do more on other days as a way of like trying to counterbalance that day that actually you did move but you didn't have your watch on and and like the same with with tracking calories if you feel like you overate one day then you you will try and undo that the following days by restricting and the intent behind that action is largely imprisoning whereas now you can hear it you can you can acknowledge that that still is there and it's like oh well that's a thought but then you've now got this more embodied state you've got more emotional awareness more self-awareness to unpick that and be like okay so what's the next thing that's right for me what do I want to take forward how do I want to show up for the rest of the day and then you go from the intent being wildly imprisoning to so empowering because you've got this cool amount of um, tools on your tool belt you've got this awesome knowledge and awareness of your own values of what is most important to you and it's yeah. not spending your whole day thinking about steps or food no absolutely not and one of the biggest things to me that I value is 
time and connection with my partner and with my stepson. And the main reason I go for a walk every day when I get in is to disconnect from my day at work because I have got I have quite a stressful, quite a busy job. And if I don't just get that 10 minutes, I find that work then consumes my evening because I'm playing things over in my head. If I haven't got things done, I'm thinking about them. If I've got a problem at work, it's in my mind. And then I don't connect the way I should in the evening with Carl, with Josh, because I'm thinking about other things. Whereas if I go for a walk and I sometimes and sometimes literally it is five or ten minutes and I walk around the block. But that just gives me time to reflect on the day and to kind of put it to bed. And then I get home and I'm much more present, much more aware. And I know one of our bad days that one of the biggest things for me, it's the stimulation of what's going on around me. I know sometimes I've stood in my kitchen and if I haven't been for a walk and I'm all like het up from the day and like the washing machine's going, the dishwasher's on, the dog's barking, the telly's on, the kettle's boiling. And then sometimes Carl can ask me a simple question and I blow my top yeah. because there's so many other things going on that I'm like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I, because I'm just so like, so, so pent up that, all these other things then have consumed everything and then I've snapped at Carl which isn't right so I do it for me it's more of a a mental release for me going for a walk it's nothing to do for me with doing steps and things and at the weekends I go for a walk with my dogs you know recently I've started going for a little run with Baloo and it's wonderful but again my run it we stop because he he wants to sniff and I'm not like no come on we've got a run we've got a run and it might take me half an hour to do three kilometers with him but that's fine because I'm not doing it for a certain time, a certain distance. I'm doing it because I want to be out with him, enjoying some quality time together with him. Mm. And that's great. And But before it wouldn't be like that, I'd be like, no, no, we've got to run. We've got, we've got to get back to this time. It's got to be this distance. Yeah. Whereas now I enjoy it just for the for, for exactly what it is, for spending time with a dog, with Carl. Like recently I've started training. Josh wants to start training. So we've been doing that together. And it's having that connection for me, which is so important. And it's living true to your values. And I think one of the biggest things we can take from there is that your mindset towards your body and towards food and towards exercise has gone from being about your body to more about your health. And you appreciate more wholeheartedly now, like everything else around you. Whereas, and I mean this respectfully because I fell into this camp and a lot of people do when they're stuck in this diet culture messaging is that, they lack the presence and the gratitude for what they have around them and they value wholeheartedly external validation and how they look <laughs> as a way of seeking approval and mm. like we we lack the joy in life like if I'd have said to you like all of those years ago Danielle what like, what brings you joy what brings you happiness you'd have been like uh going to the gym um uh, uh binge eating on a Friday night um, yeah. because we have no amount of even though you had a relationship um obviously that relationship has ended but it was still a relationship at the time you had a job you had a house it's like what no why would I be grateful for that like that's the, unfortunately that the mindset that we, a lot of people fall into it's like no um yeah I love going to the gym I love going for a run but actually it was all the wrong intent wasn't it oh, no, absolutely. we've got every time you come at me because one of the questions we ask on the check-in is like what you're grateful for and it's always like being able to go out for a walk um having a safe home my partner josh my stepson my this one this week i'm gonna have to say it because it was literally blew my mind and these songs, <laughs> i'm just gonna because i've got a picture of it um so what is it what or who are you grateful for this week bonus if it's an individual tell them Danielle's response, my body, for being the wonderful house that she is, allows me to walk, train and starting to run and looking after me on the daily. Because now you are so much more present, grounded. Absolutely. Today. And I mean, last year, and you touched on this earlier, before I was going on holiday, (laughs) and there was still that part of me that was like, no, no, Rebecca, I'm going to diet. I'm going to diet for my holiday. And you're like, why? I'm like, because I want to was kind of the reasoning that I gave you. And and I knew in my head the reason I wanted to was because I wanted to look good in my bikini because that's what diet culture says you should do. And for as much as I was like, no, that's what I want to do, I want to do. What did I get, four weeks in? Yeah. yeah. And I, I do like, promote autonomy. So if you want to do something, yeah. always understand why. And then yeah. we always try things. So yeah. Diet, I had complete autonomy. Tried it. 
so I think we'd, we'd said we'd do it for 12 weeks and I was like yeah yeah that's fine nice and steady don't want you know, don't want too harsh a deficit things like that four weeks in I remember ringing Rebecca and being like I hate it we've got to stop I'm not enjoying it it's not what I want to do anything and we just stopped because it was making me miserable but over that four weeks I'd come to the realization that I was dieting not for me I was dieting because diet culture is everywhere and I'm, I've probably seen something on Facebook or on the news or something that says this is how you should look in a bikini and that was sort of in the back of my mind whereas actually I went on holiday and didn't really give two hoots what I looked like in my bikini I just put it on every morning and went to the beach with Carl and enjoyed the day because Carl doesn't care what I look like in my bikini because Carl loves me as a person he doesn't love the figure that I've got or the shape that I hold or the size that I am he loves me and it's very interesting that you said that <clears throat> you were doing it for how you looked in a bikini yeah. but how you felt in yourself yeah was not directly representative of how you would look in a bikini no. and how no. you feel and how you felt and I remember talking to you on that call and we were on a video and you were so aggravated and frustrated mm -hmm. But it was a lesson that obviously we needed yeah. to learn, but because how you felt through that initial period was then driving you, it was driving the disconnection from your actual values and it was not actually improving how you felt in your body. It was this representation of how you felt you should look, but how you yeah. felt within yourself was like, I'm preoccupied by food again. I'm focusing on food. I'm getting frustrated with Carl because I'm obviously in a diet and dieting, even if dieting is a stress on the body, it's a struggle for many people. And you were dieting from, as we would say, a healthy weight. So then it required a little bit more conscious effort. Yeah. And you were like, no, I can't do this. Like I, I'm getting frustrated. It's not in line with my values. It's actually, yeah. I fell back into diet culture because that was all I knew but yeah. now you know that actually that feeling that you had within yourself was actually not going to be changed by, no. but you didn't like, I think because when we first started, you were like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable in myself. So I think I need to diet for my holiday. And what I see with a trend of people is that there is that expectation that you should diet for a holiday. So then there is this felt, this feeling that is likely a perception based on what you feel you should be doing to seek validation, to go on holiday and being in a smaller body that actually, yeah, I do feel uncomfortable. Because when you went on holiday, you were literally, uh, was it a pound, pound and a half lighter? Yeah. Then when you felt uncomfortable and the feeling was likely driven through this expectation of how you felt you should be feeling to then seek validation to go on holiday, but actually you were like mm, uh, no okay it was more disembodied and then we came back to ourselves and was like mm, yep. no no and I mean it's quite interesting I mean when I look when we first started when I was at my lightest I think I was 54 kilos now I'm almost almost 10 kilos heavier than that um interesting we had a chat this week and I did actually weigh myself and I weighed myself this morning exactly. um, purposely for this Oh. just to see the difference and I was literally like 63 kilos a year ago I would have been horrified at that because in my head I'm like oh my god you used to weigh 54 but actually I am nine kilos heavier than I was but I am stronger happier I live a much more fulfilled life. And this year I've probably eaten out with people and enjoyed time with my family, with you, with my other friends, with Carl, more than I have ever done, ever. And if that means sitting a few kilos heavier to have a happier, healthier life, then great. And yeah, yeah, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because we did have that conversation. And, and I remember also having a conversation and being like, Danielle, you're verging on the BMI of underweight here. Yeah. And now you've just said that you're living a more wholehearted life and that Absolutely. Your, scale, your scale weight is not directly representative of that health aspect for you anymore. No, because for me, I feel stronger. I train better. I push myself in every training session to do to lift heavier weight or to do more reps every single session. And I wouldn't be able to do that at 54 kilos. 
not a chance. And I wouldn't be able to enjoy, you know, the eating out. I mean, I went out twice last week. And I also had cake that I brought home with me to enjoy in the evening. And I never would do things like that. And it was such a challenge to be at that lighter weight that I'd rather have, because my biggest value is connection yeah. with those that I love. And I can't have that like I'd want it. So for me, my values are so, so ingrained now that I kind of want to be heavier. And that Because actually yeah. I'm happier. I'm happier being, I'm, I'm clothes wise, size wise. You know, as far as society perceives me, I'm no different. My clothes still fit. You know, everything is fine. But just internally, I know that I'm heavier. But actually, that's overridden by the fact that I'm happier, and that I have a much much better relationship with Carl, with Josh, with my family, with you. Yeah, we went to London the other week and. Ate all sorts and then actually realised on the train we hadn't actually eaten that much at all and I came home and had a massive pizza and chips because I was starving. <laughs> Shocking me walking around London all day is quite <laughs> fatiguing. But anybody who is listening to this and is going to London needs to go to Humble Crumble because it is oh the best thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> had, had a large, it was amazing. Yeah, but again, years ago I'd have been like, oh no, I can't have a large. And where like, did you go for breakfast? Because that was also divine. Because you got like breakfast and then a croissant. Oh. The Berkeley Hotel. Oh, yeah. So I then, they say I had full English. I had a pastry. And say so then we walked around. I had a large crumble. And then came home and had a large pizza from Marks and Spencer's and some chips. But it was fab. And then I got up the next day and just had breakfast and carried on as normal. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. And it's a, I think you've got a better connection back to yourself as well. And I think just Absolutely. to back then on your values, that people believe that they must value health. And actually, you don't have to value health at all. But you can be invested in your health. Yeah. And when you're invested in your health, like you just said, your, your val- one of your biggest values is connection. And you have to be invested in your health to then connect back to yourself and connect to those around you. Because if you're going out socially and you're preoccupied by food, you're not connecting on a level that benefits, that is in alignment with your values. If you're going out socially and you're fearing weight gain, so you're actively trying to control your food, you're not connecting them back to yourself and what and allowing yourself to enjoy the food that you like. Again, preoccupation yeah. with food. You, if you are overly restricting in the week, and you are getting really aggravated with yourself you're going to be then projecting that to those around you you're not connecting with your partner fiance um yeah Chris gets really angry if I don't call them like what they are he says I, I'm I demonize it by calling them partners by fiance you're not connected to your fiance because you're wildly frustrated aggravated with yourself and you have no stress management with work and so it, even if you don't value your health you value connection and health feeds that how you feel in yourself is directly representative of how you show up. Oh, absolutely. And I know that if I don't, you know, when I train, I train for me. And for as much as I try to progress week on week, I'm doing that for me. I'm not doing that to change my body. I'm not doing that for any other reason apart from I want to and I enjoy it. And I get so much enjoyment from it. And I know that it's it's good for my health and it's good for me long term but that's not my key driver for doing it the key drive for doing it is because for me it's something I enjoy and it's time for me where I can just be me I'm not a stepmom I'm not a fiance I am not a dog mom I am not a manager at work I've not got people on my back asking me for things because that happens all day and for me that time where I train is literally me and I shut the door and put my music on and Carl, bless his heart, knows not to disturb me during that time. <laughs> <laughs> but that for me, that's that's me. I love that identity aspect that you just said then. Because you it's are... so easy to identify because it's like, oh, introduce yourself. Oh, well, I'm Danielle and I am this at work, or I'm that, or I'm you know, I'm not a mum as per se to, to my own child. I have a stepson, I have dogs, which to me, like you with Edith, are the equivalent to me. You know, I, I've got all these different titles I could identify as so like a fiance, a stepmom, a dog mom, a manager, but I'm not any of them, I'm me. I wear those hats when I need to wear them at work. Yes, I'm a manager and I have to be. When I'm at, with Carl, yes, I'm his fiance, but I'm always me. And I have to be true to me to do what. I need to do you know I I, re- I go to bed early every night and I read 
because that's something that I enjoy doing that I find helps me sleep. And not because back to yourself. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. And if you don't have that, and I never used to have that. And I do things for other people before doing anything for myself. But as I've always now realized, you cannot pour from an empty glass at all. Yeah. And that, that was a big thing for you, wasn't it? Like, like connecting back to yourself to acknowledge and striking yeah. the balance between soft compassion and fierce compassion. So people believe that compassion again is airy fairy. And throughout a lot of it, there was this innate desire to go and do something all the time and now yeah. you are so much more compassionate to yourself striking the balance between self-compassion where you're like Sunday afternoon is time I can just sit on the sofa Cole can cook for me if he wants because he's a hero yeah. and I can just acknowledge that this is imperfection but this is wholehearted connected living for me yeah I mean Sundays for me for the last probably six months have been getting up at seven o'clock walking my dogs especially in the winter in the dark in the cold in the rain and then I go to rugby with Josh and with Carl Josh plays rugby and he's brilliant iron it's absolutely brutal and I've stood there on days where it's been like minus four and howling down with rain but I go not because I'm his stepmom I go because I'm one of his biggest cheerleaders yeah and I enjoy it but it's that time with him with Carl and if I didn't go I'd just be home on my own and I'd go and stand there in the freezing cold and then we'd come home and then I don't do anything for me and Carl Sunday afternoons are the only bit of time where we get just the two of us without jobs to do without anything and we literally sit and we might binge watch a box set the whole afternoon but that for me now I allow that just to happen because before I'd be like, oh, I need to go for a walk, I need to get some more steps, I need to do this, I need to do that. The house hasn't been hoovered. Whereas now I'm like, there's always hair on the floor. I have two dogs. It's fine. And I can allow myself just to sit and do nothing, which is the only rest time I really get during the week. Yeah. And, and now actually, yeah, and you love it. And yeah interesting you talk about waking up early on a Sunday morning you actually every time I talk to you you look forward to it but you look also look forward to like that rest aspect as well like your Sunday yeah. is now wholesome it's not it's oh, not yeah. driven through people I are listening to that, like getting up at seven but it that's right for you and you love it and I you're every it. week you're like so proud of Josh I know Leah I could go for a walk when we get back from rugby at like half past two but I don't want to at that time because by then I want to just sit and enjoy the afternoon with Carl because that's what's important to me. So I would rather get up in the morning and take the dogs out then. And yes, it's early and it's Sunday. And for a lot of people, it's the day of rest and you should stay in bed. But I'd rather take that rest. And quite often on Sunday afternoon, I'll have a nap. Yeah. So I kind of take that time back myself. I'm really sorry if you can hear my dog. He's like snuffling at my door. So I do apologise if anybody can hear it. Hello. He's the best dog ever. So there's been so many changes towards like yourself, your body, your food. Now you thoroughly enjoy everything you eat. And you literally, like I said, food does bring you so much joy and it means so much more than just fuel now. So how would you describe your relationship with food now? I wouldn't even know how to put it into like a one word. It, it just improved dramatically and for me like I'm somebody like, I love to cook love to cook love to bake and I cook every single night of the week and there was times where it was it was like a challenge because I'd be like oh no I can't really have that it's during the week whereas now we have burgers on Tuesdays we'll have pizzas on Thursdays and you know I enjoy doing I'll do like homemade chicken kebabs and I do so many different meals but I enjoy it and I love it and I actually then enjoy eating everything that I do. And I, you know, I make it work for me. Like if I do a big chili, we then have it for lunch for a few days. Whereas before that, oh no, I need to have a salad because it's lunchtime. And yeah. And I think like a lot of the time when people work through their relationship with food, like initially you knew what you didn't want it to look like. Like you knew yeah. you didn't want to think about food all the day, all the time. You knew like you wanted to get rid of this like food focus and this innate desire to control and this perfection. Yeah. But unfortunately, because of the diet culture messaging, we spend so much of our time then trying to get rid of the thing and battling the thing of food. But it's more of like a the way I like to say it's more like of a, a creative process, right? Where you yeah. then attain something 
from working on your relationship with food. So that could look like balance, regulated, free. It's, it's eating regularly. It's it's almost what I would say, eating like an adult. I eat three meals a day and I have two snacks. And in principle, that sounds so simple. And there'll be people listening going, well, yeah, of course that's what you eat. But it's what I actually eat within those meals that has changed so drastically. And obviously having breakfast for me is a huge thing. Um, and even now, there are days where I think, oh, I just don't want breakfast. And I could easily, easily still not have it, but I have it because I know that it benefits me throughout the day and also long term. Yeah. You know, when we first joined this, I was just finishing snaffling my breakfast, whereas old me would have gone, oh, no, you haven't really got time, don't eat breakfast. Yeah. But there I was, like, snaffling on my bagel when I first joined the call with you. I was like, do apologise. I don't even need to apologise to me. <laughs> So you've really come through the diet culture. And like you said, you can still hear it, but now you can navigate your actions forward with more intent based on like longevity. So you sit more so in like delayed gratification instead of this instant desire um, now. So if there was, to wrap it up, if there was someone listening to this who was on the fence about coaching, and let's say from your perspective in what we would classify as a, society accepted body shape but they're feeling the psychological strain and the battle that you had initially what would be your advice i'd say join you 100 <laughs> percent wholeheartedly because it, <laughs> because it it's just my whole life's improved not just my relationship with food not just my training every single aspect of my life my relationships my values the way I, the way I value myself everything has changed and throughout the whole thing I've always been quote-unquote healthy to everybody to the external eye and even now say holding a higher body weight I don't look any different to anybody else and it is hard that initial yes you're going to get a coach that first message I ever sent to you was terrifying and that when I first knocked on your door, I was terrified because I'm like, what if she judges me? And I'd had such a bad experience with a previous coach that it took me a long time to reach out. because I'm like, just, it's terrible, but it's the best thing I've ever, ever done. Hence oh. why I'm still three years later. Not because I necessarily no, you don't need, me. need a coach, but I like having the accountability. And I like having somebody that no matter what, is on my side but not on my side to go yeah yeah that's right and to agree with everything somebody that actually will be brutally honest put in put everything into perspective but that is what you need exactly because that all the love in the world carl will always be on my side my parents yeah. will always be on my side but they will always tell you what you want to hear and that's not absolutely being and it's that do. yeah it's that isn't it like they want the very best for you yeah and they unfortunately can just be like you're okay because they just don't want you to worry yeah whereas I am honest because one of my core values is authenticity and honesty but it's always meant in a way that is supportive so sometimes it is like mm, Danielle no what is this okay is this right how does this feel and you have autonomy and everything you know that but sometimes it is like just having that uh, that sort of <clears throat> external reassurance but also having somebody who's in your corner with the healthy striving action going forward so that you don't become necessarily complacent so that when you do feel like this diet culture narrative is taking over how can we navigate out of that with more awareness yeah. to then give you the recognition and the tools of personal growth that feed long-term health absolutely because you know previous coach i had i never would have learned anything i've learned that you know you've taught me it was this is your meal plan this is it off you go and in eight weeks time see you later i've taken your money and i'd have come away from that and been like oh okay what happens now Whereas now I actually know how to eat. That sounds daft, but like how to eat for the best for me. And, oh, you know, that's it. I do, and I do, and I, you know, I don't. I don't, you know, for me, breakfast is a simple meal every day. It might be a protein shake and fruit. It might be like yogurt and fruit, 
it's never anything overly exciting but I understand the importance of having it and why I have it yeah and, and you know that's, it's such a huge thing and to anybody on the fence Rebecca's been there she's she's walked the walk she's got the t-shirt the video and everything and I think that's what makes it almost so unique because you've kind of been on both sides yeah I love that you just said there now I know how to eat for me yeah not because how I eat would not suit you it wouldn't suit anybody else apart from me yeah so previously you ate for diet culture you moved for diet culture now you eat and move for you absolutely and I wouldn't ever have it any other way now (laughs) that's and I think that is the most amazing place to end so thank you so much Danielle for that no honestly you've been you've really gone into a lot here and I think a lot of people will really resonate with it and thank you so much for plugging my coaching that's why I love you that's why you are like I said one of my best friends um so I hope you have the most amazing holiday and thank you again for your time this morning thank you so much meet you soon Bye. bye